keeping her mind can travel in space and in time like that. And we might say, well, of course, it doesn't really travel in space and time. But that's the only way we ever can know anything of any sense of another place or another moment. There's no way to take your body to another place or another time. Any place you try to take your body, oh, here I am. Body's always here. So we have, a, we have strange ideas about space and time. Well, actually, the only way you've ever, unless you can suggest some case I haven't thought of, can't imagine, but my, I would suggest that the only way you've ever got been anywhere other than here, the only way you've ever had any experience of a sense of another place or another time, is through mind's non-locatory capacity. <laughs> yeah. Sans capacité, sans... Sans, yeah, lieu. How do you say location in French? Location is to, is to rent. Mm. Yes, okay. Yeah. The trouble is, for most of us, when we hear the word mind, we think of uh, mental processes, which we again make a strange assumption of, that they're happening in our head. So one of the problems with translating chitta as mind is that we, we sort of squash the whole of chitta up, up here. When we contemplate chitta, we're sort of trying to find out what's going on between our ears, as it were. And even though there's a certain way in which we do experience mental activity as stimulating energy in the kind of very uppermost part of our physical experience. That's not to say that, that chitta, and in this clumsy translation, mind, is somehow located in the brain. In Thailand, like I also said this morning, the, 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 uh, the compromise, the attempt to enlarge the sphere that's referred to by chitta is to say heart-mind thereby encompassing the realm of mental experience and the realm of emotional experience so I think that's better except it sounds kind of clumsy in English you know? heart-mind and because of our literal tendency now we're not only scrunched up here we're sort of bouncing between the two Hot mind. Right. So we're trying to contemplate the chitta like that, as it were. So keep looking. You might use the word consciousness. And I don't. I don't know. You know, it's been so long that I've been 
doing this practice and contemplating consciousness that I have no idea anymore <laughs> what you, what other people mean, what associations you might have with the word consciousness. Maybe you might, in fact, maybe you might let me know. What, 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 what does it mean? What do you have? What's the sense that you have when you hear the word consciousness? What, what is consciousness? Aliveness. Aliveness? <laughs> There's no right answer, by the way, so I've done. Yeah. Agency. Agency, okay. Uh, like a volition, the agency, the capacity to uh, express or act. Just having experience as opposed to being unconscious, as in locked out or drunk. Right, right, right. Or, you know, an aware being as opposed to a stone. Right, also the capacity to know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, being alive, being knowing, and the agency in terms of not just knowing but actually responding to what's known. And we might use that as a description of conscious life. And then, where does consciousness seem to be? If we're interested in contemplating something, I want to contemplate chitta, or we're calling it, I want to contemplate consciousness, you better know where it is. If you want to look at something, if you want to explore it, you better know where it is. Where, where does consciousness seem to be? And please don't, not to search for some Buddhist answer or what you think might be an answer that would please me, right? but just actually to see in your experience, where does consciousness seem to be? Here, right? right. Any other versions? Strangely, this afternoon I have been, have been having a slight sense that my consciousness and, and the universe are... Same. Right, right, okay. A bit weird. Yeah. It seems to be associated with this thing about the um, increasing spaciousness yeah. of awareness. Yeah, yeah. Initially a bit weird. As time goes by, less and less weird. And actually then consciousness is being limited to here. That starts to look weird. <laughs> right. So the initial sense of consciousness... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. Okay, okay. So, first, first person, I said, where's consciousness? First person said, same as mind, right? Usual sense when we hear the word consciousness. Oh. As if consciousness lives here. So, how it can be consciousness of anything else, I don't know. But actually, as we see, even though the belief is that consciousness is here, as we, as we walk, oh, consciousness can be in the feet. As we look around us, oh, consciousness can fill the space. The consciousness is the same size, we might say, as the experience we're having. Consciousness is the same shape as the experience we're having. And sometimes when there's a certain uh, attunement to the edgelessness of experience. La nature de l'expérience qui n'a pas de limite. Then, uh, like Keith's saying, we might have a sense of, oh, of consciousness itself being edgeless, locationless, formless. 
But, for the most part, when we hear the word consciousness, like uh, you said, we still have the sense of that living in the head. So I'm continue my search for a better translation for chitta. I think quite a good translation is soul. Soul. So some of you will be going, not the S word. <laughs> or if you're a traumatized French Catholic, not the A word. The S word, soul. Or the A word, um. It's like, <laughs> it's like an expression to suggest that it's like a dirty word or a, a thing, the, the S word. No, sorry. Comme un gros mot. Comme si le, le ce mot avec un A majuscule est un gros mot. So, you have to see, again, you have to see for yourself what are the associations with soul. If you've had a kind of a um, difficult religious upbringing, then soul might be replete with associations of sin, the eternal soul, damnation of the soul, etc., uh, etc. Et so that's not what I'm interested in. But what, at least to me, the sense of a soul is mysterious. I can't, I, the, the associate, unlike consciousness, soul doesn't seem to live in a particular place. The word consciousness suggests head. Word mind suggests head. What does the word soul, again, I'd be in, I'm interested, it's like a, a sondage for me, you know, like a, a poll. What, what, what's, What's the associations that you have in terms of the location? Where's the where's soul? What's soul? Where's soul? Please help me out. It's kind of supernatural. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Say it more. Right. 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 So, uh, l'âme semble être un peu supernaturelle, un peu au-delà, et donc un peu non accessible. So, right, so that's one of the problems with soul as a, as a translation, is it seems a little otherworldly, or esoteric, or uh, ethereal, maybe. Yeah, ethereal. And if that's the case, well, we don't know how to contact ethereal experience. Well, experience isn't very ethereal in many ways. And the more, actually, we engage with experience through practice, the more experience seems here, rather than elsewhere in some way. But I think there's something around the, the word soul that has, feels like it has a kind of wholeness to it. Maybe it's just because it rhymes with whole, soul. That's going to be difficult. Yeah. And as we contemplate chitta, regardless of what translation we use, as we find our way into the, this 
the field of experience that we might call consciousness or mind or soul. That sense of its wholeness starts to stand out to us. What I was describing just now as the way that uh, our consciousness or our soul is the shape of our experience. The translation I usually, whatever I might use, I might say any one of these other words. But chitta really refers to the field of our experience. The shape of our experience. And that the field of our experience can be, or we might say is innately, a vast, wide open field. Like we've seen, there's nowhere experience can't go. Mind can go in the flash, thousands or millions of miles. Mind can go in a flash, forwards or backwards in time. So the citta is that which both encompasses all our experience, the field of experience, and that which takes on the form of our experience. And you may have noticed uh, today or during the days some of that form-taking. That's what we referred to in the instructions this morning. And the more one's self-obsessed by one's experience, the more tightly formed the citta is. The more it appears as narrow, tight, limited. In other words, the more me in it, the more me there is in the experience, my body, my thoughts, my practice, my lunch, my needs, my relationships, my history, my problems, etc., etc., the more the chitta appears to be me-shaped. In fact, we might say, that's what the sense of self is. It's chitta shaped by the me obsession. So we end up with a me-shaped chitta. And that's the the chitta most people live in. A chitta that appears as if it's me-shaped. It appears like it's literally this-shaped. So, to compensate for that strange view, or for that limited view, we actually pay attention to the shaping. As I say, like we gave in the instructions this morning. We pay attention to, actually, when our, when our sphere of attention widens, you can't find the edge of your experience. Just notice now, I mean, in the visual field, where's the edge of your conscious experience? Where's the edge of citta? It just stretches out, edgelessly. Similarly, if we go in, inside, inside. As you you take your attention inside, do you get somewhere where you go, where it stops? 
No, there's no hard edges to your soul, your consciousness, your amorphous, edgeless field of experience. direction that practice points in is the direction of the of the dissolution of the me obsessing and therefore of the me forming nature the me molding nature of our habitual tendencies so that we're able more increasingly to recognize chitta as a free field of experience to inhabit it as a free field of experience and to respond to life as a free field of experience. But, as we notice, as you've no doubt noticed today, the, the patterning of me forming is quite tenacious. Quite tenacious, even though there may be moments, there may have been moments today, and some of you have been speaking to me about these moments, we just heard about one moment. There may be many moments in, in your life in general where you know for yourself, clearly, obviously, a, a, a relaxing of the me-forming, an opening of the chitta, a sense of consciousness as a vast field, wherein that which we ordinarily say is distant or outside of us, we feel intimate with. Intimate with another being. Intimate with nature. Just intimate with life. So that's beautiful. Important to know that truth. To let yourself kind of orientate in that way. The, the knowing of the edgeless, limitless, vast, free nature of the field of experience that you are. And meanwhile, we have to attend to the me-forming. We have to attend to the tenacious habit of squeezing our experience into a me-shaped box. My body, my thoughts, my feelings, my needs, etc, etc. So I just thought I'd speak a little bit about some of that, the attending to that tenacious conditioning. When I, uh, in the first year of uh, Dharma practice, when I, when I began, I, in the months that I spent in uh, a monastery in Thailand, we would we would chant some Pali verses every day, and there was one, or among many lines, but there was one line that particularly used to stand out to me every day, and it it stood out to me partly because I found it very inspiring, and partly because I found it very depressing, or or maybe daunting. So the line is: patient endurance burns up defilements supremely. 
I knew I was going to say this line this evening, so I, and Lisa and I conferred in advance. To, Souverainement. Souverainement. Yeah. Parce qu'il n'y a pas plus que le souverain. Ah, yeah. Il n'y a pas le suprême. Ce n'est pas au-delà du souverain. Ok, good. Patient endurance burns up defilements supremely. It's rather stiff language. Right? It was translated a long time ago. So maybe I'll unpick some of the translation. And maybe for those of you who, for whom English isn't a first language, and nor are you getting the French translation, are there some words in there you don't understand? None of them. <laughs> Patient. Just hold your hand up when there's a word you don't understand. Patient. Endurance. 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 La capacité de supporter, de subir dans la durée. Patient endurance burns up defilements. Defilements means like a. Uh, pollutions or corruptions um, it has the souillure is the, word, the translation we found in French uh, it's a kind of uh, old fashioned word for uh, you know, rotten karma basically bad habits in our, for our purpose we would say me form it, me moulding tendencies of mind Supremely. Supremely. Best. <laughs> Patient endurance burns up, transcends, dissolves defilements, the tendency to get fixated around me and my and I. Supremely. Part of what I was inspired by in hearing that, that uh, patient endurance burns up defilement supremely, it was I kind of just could hear and feel that it was true. The bit that was depressing or daunting was that I didn't want to patiently endure anything. I wanted any other thing to burn up su defilement supremely. Mostly, I wanted insight to burn up defilement supremely. Now, I was in love with Dharma practice. I was on fire with Dharma practice. But it was, you know, it was kind of intense. Sometimes the body would be on fire. Sometimes a lot of discomfort. Sometimes a lot of confusion. Sometimes feeling lost and hopeless. But I was on the way to enlightenment like this and I was on the fast motorway auto route so don't talk to me about patient endurance right? I don't want to drive at 50 no. I want to go à 100 à l'heure no. 150 Of course, over time, one starts to see, I start to saw how 
there's a kind of inevitability to our impatience in practice. And actually, the more inspired we are by the real possibility for transformation in our life, the more likely it is that we, we want it. We want it now, or at least soon. <laughs> and um, Despite the inspiration in chanting, it took me a while to, to accept, I guess, to accept patient endurance. Now, the word patient endurance, it doesn't sound very glamorous. Right? Imagine if we put that on the retreat poster. Right? You know. Come and practice patient endurance at the Moolah. Oh, God. But what are we, we doing again? If we're trying to get beside the, the ways we, we kind of get fooled by easy concepts and we try and feel into, what do we mean? Patient endurance. Yeah, I think endure, patience is okay. Endurance sounds a bit grim. But what we really mean is the willingness to experience what's here, whether I like it or not. The willingness to experience what's here because it's what's here. Actually, we might, to update the translation a bit, we might say, love. Patient endurance, love. Loving what's here doesn't mean you have to like it, right? but love means oh, the willingness to be with what's here to feel into what's here, to explore what's here, to listen to what's here, to taste what's here, to find out really about what's here. The willingness to do that starts to uh, free up, starts to dissolve the neurotic, obsessive, me-making activity that is fixated on, 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 on me, on all those things we said earlier, on what I like, what I want. I think I mentioned at the beginning uh, of the retreat, I'm not sure. If it was this retreat or another one, now I could roll together. But I think I mentioned these two qualities of attention, vitaka and vichara. Do they ring a bell? No. Okay. Good, I won't be repeating myself. Vitaka is that capacity of attention that points to what's happening. It's like the fingers of the hand, it points, right? We might call it the capacity to recognize what's happening. In other words, to recognize that the chitta is um, tense, is being shaped by my views of what's happening and my insistence on what I want to be happening. Vitaka points to, like a finger points. Vichara is that quality of attention which is more like the palm of the hand. So if the vitaka points like the finger, 
vichara holds and handles like a palm. Oh. Uh, hand can can roll around, can sense the texture, can get a feel for what's happening. And that's something we might speak about in terms of patient endurance. If you if we look carefully often when there's some difficult experience and we might say anything that's limiting or shaping our citta is a, is a difficult experience of one, in one way or another what we most want to do as soon as we sense the difficulty is we want to fix it get rid of it uh, solve it so what we this quality of patient endurance this what we might better call this willingness to explore it is like the handling of vichara. Oh, what is this? This boredom. Well, what's boredom actually like? Right. We assume very quickly that we know what it's like. It's boring. Get me out of here. Or anger. What's anger actually like? We don't usually make much time to find out what it's like. We're too busy blaming the one who's made us angry. Right? How dare she say this? How dare he do that? Or then we get, some, we get a bit spiritually uptight. And we say, oh, I shouldn't be angry. I'm in the meditation center. And then we start blaming ourselves. Right? So angry. But either way, there's no room for, oh, what's angry, anger like? So this patient endurance or this willingness to handle, to feel into, to find out about or another word, this love for what's here is the condition or the quality whereby we we soften our need to get past what's here. We soften our need to get to some imagined other moment. We could spend our whole life, we could certainly, and people do, spend a whole week here in retreat, imagining some other better moment where peace is going to be found. Or then Martin talks about a vast consciousness. Oh, I'll, go there. I'll go there, maybe tomorrow. Maybe if I meditate longer, maybe if uh, there would be a fan in here, then I might get vast consciousness. (laughs) (laughs) So, to love experience is really to be willing to be where we are. And it seems to me that it's particularly, it's a quality, at least in my experience, it's a quality that has to sort of ripen over time. It seems to me almost inevitable, it certainly was in my case, that when we first come to practice, we want some kind of immediate benefit. The irony is that we do actually get immediate benefit. But we often don't recognize the immediate benefit because we're fixated 
on what we think the immediate benefit should be, and we're convinced that that immediate benefit isn't quite here yet. It should look like something else. So my hope is to just invite or encourage this rather strange old-fashioned terminology of patient endurance, otherwise known as this willingness to to first recognize what's happening, the pointing, and then to handle it, whatever it is. And as we handle it, we increasingly start to understand that everything, anything, any experience is worthy of being handled, worthy of being met, worthy of being felt, worthy of being listened to. There is no wrong experience. There is no wrong feeling. There's nothing you shouldn't feel. There's no mind state that you shouldn't have. There are plenty of ways you don't want to act out your mind states. But that's not the same thing. There's nothing that arises in consciousness that, um, that makes you wrong. And patient endurance, let's stick with the updated translation, love, the willingness to experience, unbinds the me-shaping unbinds the um, fixation on experience being this-shaped, me-shaped. Love, willingness, feeling into, handling, allows experience to relax, allows the me-forming to soften allows the field of experience to reveal its true nature. Malleable. Fluid. Wide open. So... Patiently, curiously, caringly with your experience. To to burn up defilements supremely. Mm. To dissolve the painful condition of living in a me-shaped world. And to increasingly know and trust and grow into the condition of living in a limitless, formless, love-filled world. Because that's the effect of loving what's here, being willing to experience what's here. The willingness to love what's here fills the experience of what's here with love. Which, after all, is what we've really been longing for. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.